Yo. What's going on? What's up? You can't you can resend the link. There he is. What's going on, Rob? You all good now? Yeah, I don't know what happened. All right, all good. Where did I get where did I get cut off at? Oh, I mean, where where we where we started at this point, so we just gonna do the whole spiel all over again. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back again to the Wise Guys Hideaway with DR, Box and Rob, and good old English Dave. Today we're gonna be talking about Howie Winter, Howard Thomas Winter. Born March 17, 1929 in Roxbury, Boston, who just recently died. And uh, it's a very close and personal subject for our very, very own uh, Boston, Rob. So uh, I'm, I'm going to let him just fucking have right at it. Rob, you want to take her away? Yeah, I, uh, I knew Howie. He was a good guy. The last time I had seen him was at a, um, a, friend, of, a friend of my mother's, um, her brother and mother died in a fire in Somerville. And, um, that how he went to showed up at the funeral. That was the last time I really seen him. How old was he when that happened? Publicly, uh, it was about six or seven years ago. So he was, you know, in his uh, mid eighties. Yeah, no, so recent. So definitely, definitely recent. Now let's just uh, take a second out for everybody to explain who Howie Winter uh, exactly was, and uh, I mean the the impact he had on Boston you know, underworld, really. Yeah. Yeah. Howie was born. Howard, Howard Thomas Winter on March 17th, 1929 in Boston, Massachusetts to German Irish parents. He grew up, um, he grew up in the Somerville area and, was the boss of the Winter Hill Gang for a long time until he went to prison. Yeah, and uh, he, the years he was active, it was 1965 is when, uh, who was it? It was uh, Buddy McLean was, was killed. He's killed in 1965. That's the original founder of Winter Hill, right? And then, and then Howie Winter takes over? Yeah, Buddy McLean, the founder of the Winter Hill Gang, and uh, Howie Winter, along with my uncle, were uh, the original eight members of the Winter Hill Gang. Didn't, didn't Buddy McLean get um, shot um, halfway through, sort of midway through what become known as the Irish Gang War? Yeah, he did. The, the, wars, actually, yeah, the, the wars actually got started was uh, when they tried try to kill. There was, there was two major Irish mob gangs in Boston in the 1960s and Buddy, there was a move made on Buddy. They tried to kill him, and uh, he lived. So that's what sparked sparked the, the war that was known as the Irish Gang Wars. It lasted almost 10 years, and it claimed the lives of 60 people. Wow. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was, it was a fucking – it was a shooting gallery over there for a stretch, like most definitely in Southie. It was, it was no joke, Somerville, all, that, all those places. And they were shooting it out, you know, right? They didn't care where they shot it out, you know what I mean? Right out in the street. They were leaving bodies everywhere. Yeah, no, like, I'll, I'll give it, I always give it to Boston on that one. Boston has a lot of, uh, a lot of leave them where the fuck you found them type of hits. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. And speaking of um, how we went to, he was actually, the reason we're talking about him today is he actually died on Thursday. November 12th at his home in Millbury, Massachusetts. Um, he leaves behind his wife, Ellen, three daughters, several grandchildren and great-grandchildren. 
And for those of you who know him, his wake will be held on Monday, 4 to 7 p.m. at Doherty Funeral Home in Somerville. And the funeral mass will be on Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. at the St. Clement Church in Somerville. Uh, he was died at the age of 91. Right, old age of 91, man. That's a, uh, like Dave was saying when we tried to record this son of a bitch the first time. Uh, that I mean, that's a long time to live for anybody, let alone a, a, like a gangster's gangster, let alone somebody who brushed shoulders with some of the most trigger-happy, you know, uh, lieutenants and enforcers that I've ever read about in the Irish mob. I mean, from you got, I mean, you got Johnny Monterano, you got Stevie the Rifleman Fleming. I mean, Bolger himself, he don't need no introduction. All those guys, you know, I mean, they were they were all certified. Well, Kevin Weeks wasn't certified. He just kind of beat a lot of people up and dug a lot of fucking holes. But uh, actually, you know what? I still don't buy that. I think Kevin Weeks has killed people. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck what nobody says. Kevin, you fucking, if you if you ever listen to this, I'm calling you out. Come on here and. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> claims that uh, he didn't kill anybody but he just helped dispose of bodies and bury them whatever and when he turned informant he's the one who told them where all the bodies were buried yeah isn't that the title of his book where we buried the bodies or where the bodies are buried or something it's something to that effect i'll tell yeah, you what, that, that was uh uh you reading out where the funeral was in place and so on and so forth so forth kind of kind was a bit of a goose of a moment because Obviously, being crime historians, you're normally reading obituaries. You're not reading someone's upcoming um, funeral. Um, so that in itself, for me, was quite a moment, actually. Yeah, since he's a friend of the family, that's how I know about yeah. his uh, his funeral arrangements. And Doherty Funeral Home is uh, legendary in some way. That's where everybody gets buried. Um, I mean, it has their wake. My, uh, my grandmother's wake was there. My aunt's wake was there. And there were several other family members of mine that uh, were awake there. Are there are there any legends anywhere across the U.S. Um, to the kind of um, level of um, Howie that are still about? Uh, uh, what exactly do you mean? Well, I mean, obviously we've, we've recently lost Sonny Francis. Uh, now Howie's gone. How many are left from back then? There can't be that many left whatsoever. And I don't no, mean not people, like not not obviously you've got Michael Francis about um, uh, uh, what's his name that rat Sammy the ball. There's still are some about that are quite infamous, but I mean old school, the proper old school from these times when they were kind of first created from when games were first created. There's not many about, are there? Yeah, there's very few, you know, high ranking, you know, guys from the from those days left and the ones who are still around are usually the ones who, you know, ratted like Kevin Weeks, uh, yeah. John Mortarano, uh, Cadillac Frank Salemi. Yeah. Yeah. Cadillac Frank. But I mean, there's, I mean, there's still some boys out there repping Winter Hill, right? I mean, like George, Georgie boy. And then, I mean, you know, you got fucking Kevin O'Neill and, um, Smiley, Scott Smiley, you know, Sean, Sean Irish Carabon. I mean, they're, uh, they didn't, they haven't been, uh, facing performance that I know of. Yeah, no, I, yeah, George Boy, he's like the last known, um, boss of the Winter Hill Gang. Yeah, I would, because I was sifting into modern day Winter Hill Gang members, uh, before we, before we hopped on to do this, man. And there's actually fucking, it's like they got more than fucking they did back in the 80s and shit, man. I, well, I've got to be honest and say that the, I, I'm not that clued up with Boston because I've kind of always been there with Rob throughout this this uh, this journey, if you like. So 
I knew that Rob's from Boston, so there's no point me reading up on Boston because Rob had it covered. So it, it, I kind of felt as if I would be treading on toes. So I'm really on the back foot here. I fucking I love Boston though, man. I can't have it's like my fucking second favorite city on my own, and I guess New York because I mean New York's the mecca, but but yeah, I don't know, something, something about the Boston attitude. I've always liked it, and the and your guys' roads are fucked. Yeah, Boston. You know, I mean it. It has it has great history. I love being from Boston. No, no doubt it, man. Um, as as part of the, um, I was quite shocked actually because um, as part of like doing some quick research, um, I went on Gangsters in Amoruso's site, um, and he had had an interview with um, someone from the Boston Globe, someone Sweeney, I can't remember her first name, um, Emily Sweeney, and she was saying that um, the Irish mob even had journalists on the inside working the Boston Globe. Yeah, they had freaking connections everywhere. That's I mean, they, saying, they were yeah. into everything. Yeah, there was, you know, they would do stuff like that to keep their names out of the paper and everything like that. And there's another uh, pretty well-known writer um, in Boston for the Boston Herald named uh, Howie Carr. Right. Okay. And, yeah. and, the, and the story the story with Carr, you know, he was the one who didn't care what he said about them. He would write whatever, you know what I mean? He didn't care about the consequences um like there's several articles about my uncle william billy Wynn, and in there he refers to him several several times as winter hill punk you know what i mean yeah. instead <laughs> of just saying his name so he's a wise ass and there's actually a story i do not know if this story um is true true or not but i mean it, it won't surprise me at all but my uncle got so fed up with what howie Carr was writing about him that he basically put a hit on him you know what i mean and told him uh, you know, enough. I'll, I'll take you out if I have to. And supposedly, it scared ha- uh, Howie enough to where he stopped writing. And uh, as far as I know, he didn't write about my uncle again until <laughs> eight years, eight years after he died. Um, he wrote a story, and I believe it was GQ magazine. And he talked about how you know he wanted to kill him and all that. <laughs> Makes you wonder how Jerry Capucci made it uh, this many years, man. Flew and Rab, guys from the New York Times and shit. Because uh, those those were two sons of bitches who didn't care either. They they wrote whatever about whoever. Especially Jerry. Big shout out to Jerry. Also a big shout out to uh, Jonathan O'Connell. He couldn't be joining us today. He's stuck uh, working. But we met six heads. Fucking sorry for the dogs for your loss. I know he was. Uh, I know he from all the posts he put in the groups. It seems like he actually knew how he pretty well as well. So. Big shout out to yeah. him on here. Jonathan O'Connell, he's a wealth of information on um, the Boston Irish mob, especially in Somerville where he lives. And I'm actually originally from uh, Somerville. I was raised here where I still live in Everett, Massachusetts, since I was uh, one years old. But I was born in Somerville, and I lived there until I was one. Have you ever been to the Triple O's, Rob? Have I ever been where? Have you ever been to the Triple O's? No, I've never been inside. No, no, I know my uh, father has, and we're, my in Boston, man, we're going. Yeah, Triple O's Lounge. That was um. Is it still yeah. around? Yeah, I believe so. Fuck yeah! When I fly out to Boston, once all this fucking COVID and lockdown and fucking madness from the election clears up, we're we're going to Triple O's. I don't give a fuck. 
I don't, I don't care if I get stabbed in the back alley. I don't give a shit. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, it's not really like that anymore. Um, right, it's probably a bunch of fucking hipsters and college I was kids. Gonna, um, getting, getting back to what you were saying about the journalists. Um, journalists in America, I suppose it's, it's highlights how free the press are out there. You don't really hear as many hits as what you do in Italy, do you? I mean, Italy, um, journalists out there have got four, five, 24-hour, seven days a week, 365-year protection. Um, but in America, you don't really hear about that side of things, do you? They get to same with, same with anybody writing about the Sinaloa's or the you know all the different uh, cartels yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much is just an American thing to be able to just snub your nose at hard and killers. You know? Yeah, and I think the what the thing within Italy as uh, Sicily and all that, as opposed to over here, what what is different is, you know, we didn't really kill reporters and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, besides. Besides what my uncle did, but I, I don't think he would have uh, followed through with it. You know what I mean? I think it was uh, just a threat. And one of the reasons I even speak about him is because there's a lot of, uh, you know, false info, like Howie Cock calling him a winter hill punk and all this. He wasn't. He was an incredible guy, a guy with a, a huge heart. And actually, I don't know if any of our listeners know uh, Mark Silverman. He's uh, a former Boston gangster turned um uh, he, he's an author and he wrote a book and uh, when he was arrested he got out of jail and he was one of the few that got out of jail right away on a $10,000 bond so there was um, speculation that maybe he uh, he ratted why, why was he out so early and now Mark was a stand up guy so this really bothered him plus he didn't want to get killed over it right. uh, the reason he got out is because he had a great lawyer which was my also my uncle's lawyer and so when, uh, you know, he voiced his concern to his lawyer about, you know what I mean, he doesn't want people thinking he read it or anything like that, the, the lawyer actually suggested that he go and see my uncle and talk to my uncle about it. So he went to my, uh, my uncle's social club called, um, it was called the Baltimore Post, uh, and some of them asked, the building's still there. And he... Um, so he goes in there and had a meeting with my uncle. And the thing, the, the thing with my uncle is, um, his, my uncle's lawyer is he didn't represent rats. So right there is how you, you know what I mean? You kind of know that, that mock didn't flip or anything like that. So he went in and talked to him and, uh, you know, convinced my uncle that he wasn't a rat. And my uncle made sure that information got to the right people. Yeah, now I mean, just to give everybody a little bit of a breakdown, um, most people out there, uh, you, you might be kind of half grasping the story we're talking about, but I know you fucking know it because Johnny Depp betrayed Whitey Bulger, and I know you've probably seen the movie. Uh, Black Mass is based around what we're talking about. It's just that further ahead than when we're talking about. Black Mass, the movie, comes in around when Bulger takes over in 1979 after uh, Howie Winter goes to uh, prison on uh, extortion charges, I believe. Uh, but before that, uh, Howie Winter is the right-hand man to James Buddy McLean, who's, as Rob said earlier, was the founder of Winter Hill. And him and Howie kind of sort of – I mean, they were they were thick as thieves, you know what I mean? Like, from, I mean, from everything I've read, it seems like Howie, Howie and Buddy were, were really tight until McLean was killed in 1965, obviously. And then that's when Howie, Howie Winter takes over and kind of almost puts the gang or the, or the Irish mob or the family or whatever you want to call them almost like to the next level. Like I wouldn't call them knock around guys before Howie Winter took over, but I wouldn't call them 
what we'll eventually see Bolger morph it into. And the only reason Bolger was able to do any of that besides having, you know, immense FBI help because he was a fucking snitch yeah. was because of Howie Winter, how Howie Winter sort of set up that tight knit group. That's what I've always loved about the IRK and then between from the Westies to, to the South Boston guys in Winter Hill. And I mean, just, even, even all the prohibition gangs in Chicago and stuff is like, they're always so fierce and vicious, but it's really only like nine or 10 guys. Uh, I- it's just really gonna, like nine or ten I guys. Say, Ian, Ian, I was going to say that it does sound very similar to the situation with the Westies in New York. That because um, even the Patriarca family were very wary of the Winter Hill Gang, Rob, weren't they? But, Who was wary? Sorry, Patriarca. Oh yeah, Patriarca. Even though yeah, they were close, right? Though him, him and Winter were close, right? Yeah, my uncle was actually really close too with the. Uh, with the Italians, he was actually the go-between, the Irish mob. I, he was a member of the Winter Hill Gang, but he was also a Patriarca associate, and he was like the guy that um, the Italians would would deal with after how we went away. You know, my uncle was basically yeah. the only guy that they would uh, they would deal with. And, and in Mark Silverman's book, he actually says how my uncle said to him um, at that meeting that the Winter Hill Gang doesn't exist and what mark took that to mean was that you know uh this you know my uncle is speaking for the italians on uh on their on their behalf and regarding regarding him didn't uh didn't uh stevie the rifleman fleming sort of bulger's right hand lunatic uh brother in arms have uh have pre- pretty decent ties with the Italians too, because that's something that like that kind of pissed me off. It wasn't really tackled in Black Mass. One, they made Steve Fleming way too soft. That him and Bolger had fucking competitions about murder. He wasn't all like, you know, I'll do it, but I don't want a Jimmy. Blah 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 blah. That was bullshit. Rory Kocher did a great job portraying the role that I know they wrote for him, but the, they did not make those two nearly nearly vicious enough for me. Johnny Depp did a good job, like they, when when they have him strangling the girl and stuff, but they make it seem like Steve Fleming was all upset. He didn't give a flying fuck. But they also don't tackle the fact that Fleming, that's an Italian. He's half fucking Italian. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's so, why the, they dealt, you know, the Italians would uh, would deal with him. That's why I love the one quote in the movie where they got him on the recordings. I don't know if the recordings were true, but it'd be funny if they were, where they're like, you know, I don't picture I don't picture Stevie and Whitey going out to Tulsa <laughs> to kill some fucking highlight prick. But then again, you never know with those two sick fucks. Those two will go anywhere, clip anybody if they think it'll make them a buck. <laughs> Like, I thought that was pretty good. That's a pretty accurate description of it. Yeah, and what it shows in the movie, um, it shows that, you know, Bulger basically had to convince Flemmy to become a rat. Um, in the movie, it shows, like, Flemmy being real uh, cautious about yeah. it and not, not wanting to do it. But in real life, that just wasn't true because what a lot of people don't know is Flemmy was actually an informant way before Bulger. He was an informant since the mid-1960s. I think Jeez. 1964 and 1966. And he was a sharpshooter in the in the Marines, I believe. Yeah, which is how he got his nickname, the rifleman. So, yep. Before yes, you, um, before, on, on the last part where we cut <laughs> off, um, I said to, I was saying about um, when, uh, how he got put away. Do you think, because obviously Bolger um, got out of that, um, that extortion racket and the horse race betting or whatever it was, that, do you think he grasped him up and stitched him up for that so he could take over the family or the gang? Sorry. I, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm sure some of Bulger's information um, was about that. But a lot of what Bulger fed 
the FBI was bullshit. Um, you know what I mean? Because he would just, he had to give them yeah. something. Now, obviously he gave them, he did give them information that About was true, but he also fed him a lot of bullshit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Send him on wild goose chases and shit. But like, he most definitely like it wasn't just look over here while I go do this. He he did, when he was put into a corner, I guarantee he fucking. Well, I was gonna say it's convenient, yeah. isn't it? Uh, that that um, uh, he gets away with a crime that everyone else gets puts away for, and the next thing you know, he's boss of the he's head of the gang. Why, if you're in that position, um, a bit like Greg Scarper, why wouldn't you use it to your advantage when when necessary? You would, wouldn't you? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean. I'm not <laughs> a lot of them, you know, a lot, of, a lot of them do that, you know, in our sites and all that. We always got the trolls that, you know, talk shit about the rats and whatever. And don't get me wrong. Uh, we take, you know, ratting very seriously in Boston. So I do not condone it at all. I hate rats and all that. But everybody would be surprised how many people from Boston, New York, Detroit, that actually, uh, you know, pump the worked with Detroit's them. Detroit's got the least. Detroit's got the but, least. Oh, definitely Detroit. Detroit is like one of the families that did it, you know, did the mob thing completely right. You know what I mean? They were, you know, they, they very few arrests, very few indictments, uh, incarcerations. And when they did get arrested, they would get off a lot. In my opinion, Detroit is one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, just but shitty, my, shitty accents, man. Yeah. Shitty my point accents. is, is everybody would be surprised at how many mob bosses actually dealt with cops um in oh, a way yeah. yeah oh yeah i mean quite you've only got to look at new york what was it the 73 um area um with that michael um i forgot his surname now uh the where the where, My, uh, michael, uh, michael fucking yeah Downs? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um was it the 73 the 75 yeah that's, no, it was oh, the I, was close. I was only two away the 73 were involved anyway <laughs> they all were <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, well, um, what's worse? Now, at least with the mafia, it's the mafia or it's the mob or it's organized crime or they're street gangs. Old Bill sign up, they they swear an allegiance to the flag to protect the people, and they go dirty. For me, that's worth the, the near enough any crime apart from paedophilia oh, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But a dirty cop, that's that's dirty. That's dirty, dirty. No, yeah, that's that's the, like the worst thing you could be besides like a rapist or a fucking exactly. kid catcher. I mean, really, because, yeah. Cause, yeah, if you, yeah want, I, if you want to be a gangster, be a gangster. You know, if you want to be a cop, be a cop. You don't be dirty. Him, you don't get to play. You don't get to play. You need to you too, you know? Exactly. I, I've, I've always said that the only thing worse than a cop is a dirty cop. 100%. 100%. <laughs> And, and, and in a way, they're worse than rats because some rats do it to get themselves out of trouble. Cops literally do it for money. No ifs, buts, maybes, just exactly. for money. At least in the mafia, as I say, they're, they're kind of movements. They're like playing chess. So there's a method to their madness in some cases, not all cases. Um, as, again, going back to Greg Scarper, he was the perfect example of using it to his own advantage but if you like, not exactly being a, an informer. So, um, yeah, for me, I mean, it, it, it yeah. <laughs> it's just dirty yeah, bars, yeah, man. Fucking dirty bars. Yeah. And FBI yeah, even every worse. Every time I see these guys, 
every time I read about these guys who are in with the feds from the gate for as long as they could go, they're always the the second generation coming from mm-hmm. America, Americanized gangsters. You know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, you read back and like it's hard to find some of them old time Irish or you know Sicilian guys <laughs> to work with the cops because one, the cops couldn't understand them, and then for two, it, it was just like it was beyond their like core belief system. They actually had some sort of like grounded value of, of whatever it might have been, even though it was still crime. Exactly. But like you get two or three generations in and everybody starts getting Americanized. And I mean, no, I mean, tra- tradition goes right out the window for fucking Irish, for Italian, for. I'll be totally, it's not as if it's hidden that I've done quite a bit of prison time myself. And I've got no problem um, no. with all the time I've done because fair's fair. It was a fair cop. Um, I was caught and I was caught fairly. I wasn't grassed up. That for me, uh, or, or set up, that for me, that, that's, um, uh, uh, to, 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 <laughs> is this what I'm saying though? Fair's fair, isn't it? To, to be grassed up by your mate, that's like, come on. <laughs> and especially when, especially yeah, no. when it's an old bill that is bent at the same time, you just, oh, mate, nah, fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, if they catch you fair and square, yeah, you know what I mean? Game. That's, that's one the thing, game you know? is cat and mouth. But, but you don't have yeah. dogs getting involved, but if do they're you? Gonna, holding the cat down by the tail or anything like yeah. that. If they're going to fabricate evidence and all like that, you know what I mean? That's the, you know, the dirty way of doing it. And, you know, they're scumbags for it. Because it's their job. It's it's the mobster's job to break the law. It's the cop's law job to enforce the exactly. law. You know what I mean? But... By enforcing the law, you don't you don't plan evidence on people. Look at um, former Boston mob boss Peter Lamone. He did thirty years in prison because the FBI yeah. framed him. Yeah. And when he finally got out, um, when it was proven that uh, he was framed and set up, they they released him from jail immediately. And he and uh, he sued them for a hundred million dollars, and and he won. I mean, he never seen a dime of the money, but he sued. Uh, yeah, he sued them for it and uh, and won, and that was like a shock of people realizing how you know dirty the FBI really is, you know. And in those days, uh, what we were talking about, um, how Dave said about the cops, the reason they do it is for money. Cops actually didn't make Not much money enough. in those days. They do okay. Yeah, they do okay now, but in those days, they didn't make much money at all. And actually, how we went there, he was gonna be a cop his father was a cop he was going to be a cop but then uh he'll even say that they didn't it didn't pay enough for him you know what i mean he couldn't support his family on a cop salary so that's why he decided to go was that the the interview rob where he um because he didn't give many interviews did he and he said in an interview as well that i think it was him and a friend it might have been that guy that uh uh oh god forgot his name now uh that they both signed up uh to the draft when one was age, they were both age 14 or one was 13, one was 14. Yeah, how, how he, he was a Marine. Serve, I know that. He signed up to the Marines at the age of 14. That's another thing I can give the guys of that era, man, is fucking like when fucking, when, you know, when war was fucking breaking out in the world and, you know, it was actually like world war on the Mets and like fucking even, even the guys that were leading into the seven, like, you know, mid to late seventies and who fought in Vietnam was like, you, you don't really hear about that anymore. You don't. I mean, there are actually there is a documentary about like street gangbangers in the military and how like the training's making it really hard for cops 
to combat like you know lowly level gangs like you know like crips or bloods because like they're they're learning the tactics of how to be proficient killers but but like before before that was like the nomenclature it seemed like a lot of the uh I mean, even Sonny Francis tried to serve his country. They just said he was a fucking homicidal loose cannon. Like, they were like, we just don't want you. You know what I mean? Mickey Featherstone from the Westies, he, he served. You know what I mean? There was, plenty, there was plenty of people who gladly went and served Howie Winter. I mean, like, you don't, you don't see that anymore. When, when, the, when the towers fell, how many Locos and Ostra members, how many Irish, Irish gang members went and, you know, signed up with Uncle Sam? I'd, I'd like to see the statistic on that. Because I know when the Nazis fucking – when when the war hit our soil with fucking World War Two, shit, man, there wasn't the the gangsters were just as with it as fucking your everyday civilian, you know. What I mean, if not more so because they, I mean, they're used to killing people. I've also said I believe that's why that generation was so adaptable to the murder the way they did. You know, what I mean, you're talking about like that, like the murder ink era, and then like further on, and like further into like the 40s and 50s, and like I I really do think it was because of how many of them had served. An actual war exactly. I mean, it followed the Great War, didn't it? I mean, the Great War was just before 1920. So um, coming out of the First World War, (laughs) the amount of of death and murder that happened, because don't forget, it wasn't very mechanised, the First World War. So a lot of the deaths were deaths through being shot. So they, they, like you say, and, and from a very young age as well. So it was a very, I suppose, war and fighting were very intricate parts of life back then. So coming out of that and still have, don't forget, I mean, if you look, I mean, the mafia uh, and gangs are run no different to military. I mean, they're they're military positionally run. So it's quite an easy transition to come out of that lifestyle and just carry on killing for the sake of loyalty and, 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 for the sake exactly. of order and code. And for me, those are the two things that over the years in the Mafia have died, the order and the code of the Mafia. Obviously, a murder has been proven yeah. by the amount of rats there are, but and to save their own skin. So not only are they breaking by ratting, not only are they breaking the code of a murder, but they're also breaking the loyalty code. I mean, they're breaking all the codes there are in the world, really, in respect to the Mafia and organised crime. Yeah, I completely agree with both of you guys on that because, I mean, they they go to the war and they're being ordered to kill people and they're doing it. So when they come back home, you know, they, they already have killed people before. So Close. Close. This, isn't, this isn't the weapons we have nowadays. People got to remember World War One and Two. they're fought in fucking trenches, man. Trenches and fields. Like yes. World War One, we're still using horses. Granted, World War Two we're a little more, you know, mechanized, motorized. And, you know, I mean, Hitler, huh. That Hitler man, he was really onto something. Nothing, nothing positive, mind you, but onto something. But yeah, I mean, World War World War One, we're still fucking using horses, man. Nineteen nineteen, some shit like that. Like you're up close and personal, motherfuckers. Like you know what I mean? Like imagine being one of them guys in the tunnels. You just got this rifle with a bayonet. You run out of ammo, and you like, I mean, come on, man, that shit don't happen no more. You got like a M four A one or something, and a big old fucking grenade launcher, and you ride a bullet pump. I'm not saying that's you know military. Still don't fucking. 100 percent earn their keep i have nothing but respect for the military that's not what i'm saying i'm saying world war one and two were fought on different different levels of fighting that's all i'm saying yeah they were real yeah they yeah, were real it, wars i mean they they i suppose you could say well <laughs> the second world war hopefully touch wood was the last of the world wars of, of the great wars um but they they were they were fought for freedom 
They weren't fought for oil. They weren't fought for that. La- they, do you know, they were fought for actual people's human rights and, and 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 all of that side of it. And I suppose that again is something that the mafia stood for. Yeah, all right, fair enough. It was in the criminal world, but that was what the mafia still stood for. It had the same morals and principles as what the military did. And again, yes, fair enough in the organised crime world, but it doesn't matter. It still had the same morals and principles. And those are the morals and principles that over the years, I think, have declined to the point of the decline of the mafia itself. Yeah, it's a bunch of... And and that's why when you get someone like Howie, who dies at the age of 91, just the fact that he's 91, should that should give uh, uh, um, mean that people show this guy the utmost respect because he's obviously done it the right way because rats don't usually last. Um, Bad bosses didn't usually last. So those that do it the right way usually last. So when you see them getting to this age, you know for sure they've done it the right way. When he was ar- when Howie was arrested in 1993, they caught him up on a peddling a little bit of yayo. You know how that goes, the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, who, who isn't sniffing a little, sniffing a little gag? But uh, they, they, they corner him up and they're, you know, they're fucking, they're stitching him up and they're telling him like, you know, you know that bulgers of this and that and he's been working with the FBI for yada, yada, yada. just, Hey, just, you know, just give us some info on Bulger. Give us some info on Flemmy, blah, 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 blah. We can make this all go away. He says, yeah, I know they was. I've known that for a long time. Fuck yourselves. And he fucking went from 1993 to July 2002, and he just did his time. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, they did that. Like, um, they thought, you know, telling him that Bulger – you know, had ratted on him and everything. They they offered him a deal, so it's like he already ratted on you. So why don't you give us some information and get your sentence reduced? But how we how we refused? That just wasn't, you know, the kind of. Uh, Hadn't he already been ratted on as well? Yeah, so he, he said, "Not a problem," because I've already been ratted on anyway. Such as someone else had ratted on him. Yeah, because he had gotten out of prison in 1987, and mm-hmm. then in 1993 is when he was caught dealing <laughs> the cocaine, and you know he he was facing another ten years. So they tried to get him to and do then, the deal, but uh, he refused and, and then in did his time. And he was, was released it 2012? in 2012. He got done for extortion. What was he? How old was he then? <laughs> was he 83 when he? And he's getting done for extortion. I love that. Yep. <laughs> They've got to stop. Yeah, it is yeah. kind of comical, right, to think about a, just an old old geezer trying to extort somebody. Like, I mean, you can you you kind of you know you kind of have a soft heart for it when you're all like, oh man, these some young strapping 20, 30 year old men coming in and extorting you know this small time local business owner who you know he ain't no tough guy, he ain't trying to handle. It. But when I think about like just some raggedy old man with a cane, and, like a brim cap, <laughs> he's got the cane with the God fucking twenty two in the end of it. You know what I mean? Just, <laughs> Seriously. And that just goes to show you, these guys, you know, they're gangsters exactly. until they die. You know, yeah. I mean, like, he comes out of jail and then, you know, 10 years later, he's arrested again for, like you guys said, extortion and conspiracy. He was demanding 35000 uh for a payment. And, you know, then he gets off that. But what ended up with that is, uh, I believe he pleaded guilty. He didn't he get any more nothing, jail time. Um that's what I read. Again, thanks to yeah, Gangsters. I believe so. Nice one, David. Yeah. <laughs> I like how, 
kept fucking you know, like running through the ring or finding them and shit until around like 2015. I'm pretty sure something like that. But yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't stitch him up again. I mean, it was the same with Sonny Francis got fucking caught knocking, you know, extorting right. pizzerias and strip clubs at the end of his life. They're like, all right, man, you're never going to learn in a couple years. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to be his fifth extortion charge in his life. Had he been 50, he'd be like, you're going to die in there. But, like, because you fucking, you're already dead, <laughs> just go do a little bit of time, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and that must what what really you know must have killed him was that it, it was his own son who ratted on him in that case, John Francisi Jr. Oh yeah, yeah, that had uh, that had. I don't know. That'd be one of those right in the middles. It would depend. I don't know. That'd be a weird one to sit with. It'd be like that little fucking piece of shit. But at the same time, if you're also gonna get robbed, once you're either it be your your kids that rob you, than just some random oh. folk. You know. Oh, I mean, I think it's Friendly. I think it's worse having. Your kid ran on you, oh, then someone else. It's worse, but I mean, like, I just feel like you could, I don't know, it, it's like you could sit with it a little better. If somebody else does it to you, somebody's got to go. Five people got to go. Yeah, isn't that an easier well, I mean, choice than having to decide a, whether you got to take your own blood out? Yeah. No, because and, when it's your kid, you just, you just don't, you know? Well, yeah, but though, I mean, it's alleged that Sonny uh, did want him dead, or at least the uh, Colombo family wanted him dead and Sonny just went yeah Sonny just went along with it you know what I mean he wasn't gonna turn because Sonny was you know a a gangster first he didn't care like um, he was actually mad that when it all came like mad that um, a couple weeks later the, the, the cops still haven't arrested him because he didn't want them to think that he didn't want the mafia to think that he was okay with what his son did or that he was a rat too. So Sonny wanted to be arrested just so everybody would know that, you know, it had nothing to do with him. It was all his son. Then I think you can always, you like I, whenever something happens like that to a guy to where it is his son or it's his nephew or it's this or that, like I'm sure Nikki Scarfo was almost not surprised in the least that Phil Leonetti, you know, stitched him up. I'm I'm sure Sonny was like, they're heartbroken, they're disgusted. You, they might want to fucking choke the life out of you. But I guarantee in the back of your head, they're like, he always was fucking weak. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they just, you gotta, you gotta kind of, you gotta kind of have that because like, I mean, look at the way he handled like how, what Michael did, what he did. Like he has to just be embarrassed about, you know, the, Everybody who went through La Cosa Nostra besides himself and yeah. his family, Sonny Francis, that is. Yeah, that's another thing that, you know, broke his heart was, uh, you know, Michael, right? Because a lot of people think don't think Michael's a rat, but the fact is, is he testified oh, yeah. in open court. He read it. He, his father, he put his father and his father's driver in jail, who I believe was Rob, even a relative. You, you said he testified. <laughs> you need no go further. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's definitely, but he says that uh, he only talked about stuff that he did, and he didn't get anybody else in trouble, which is just that's, not but true. That's, but that's yeah, like that's like um, uh, uh, swearing on the code of a murder, and then saying you're only half racist. The yeah. only reason, let's be honest, the only reason Michael got made is because he was a huge yeah, moneymaker with that gas operation. Oh, you know, yeah, he's, he's not certified whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, when you're bringing Carmine Persico, the boss of the family, $8 million a week, you know what I mean? Of course, he's going to make you and freaking, yeah, you know, he wants that money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, it, 
did money become the number no, one object? Nothing else. Yeah. It was all money. And we all know what happens when you start focusing yeah. on just money. All the morals and everything goes out the window, yeah. doesn't it? Greed takes over. There's no denying. Yeah, exactly. There's no denying that Michael Francis was a huge earner. But, you know, contrary to what people believe, this gas operation, it wasn't his idea. The Russians no. had approached him about it, you know? So it was like he kind of just fell, fell into it. So everybody thinks he's like, a, um, you know, big bad mobster who, you know, did all this. But no, he fell into a, a scam to make a lot of money. And that was it. Everything he basically just fell into. Like, he would have never got... Uh, a chance with the mafia if it wasn't who his father was. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's like the guys who happen to fall into, you know, when prohibition I, was I made. I to say as well, um, you know what if, I mean? If you would, if you would, um, this, the, the kind of old stereotypical of finding God in prison, if you, if you would name anybody that would, that would have gone down that road and come out and taken advantage of it, you'd have him at the top of your list, wouldn't you? <laughs> Well, I mean, him or him or Henry, gotta gotta give gotta give Henry his fucking day in court when it comes to fucking the best rat of all times. Jesus Christ! Well, yeah, I wonder how. Go ahead. What's up? No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it, it's all right. I, it it wasn't related, so go ahead. Yes, I was gonna say I'm trying. I'm gonna try to weave us back on track here. Um, now the the whole breakdown of the sort of the Winter Hill Gang is from. When, I mean, when would you say, Rob? Is it like the early early fifties, like nineteen fifty ish, up until about like nineteen sixty five? That's when uh, Buddy McLean's, uh, you know, sort of the head honcho of Winter Hill. Boom, he gets fucking snuffed. Next thing you know, Howie Winter takes over, and he sort of runs the operations from about nineteen sixty five to nineteen seventy nine. Then he goes up for you know extortion, as you said, he gives it to Bulger just because he. I, I I agree with you one hundred percent that I just think he didn't want to fuss. Because, like, Boston is for – it's kind of like a Detroit in a sense. That's why I've always loved both of our cities because, like, they're cities. And, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're sprawling and they're big, but they're not either. Like, I know I like, I like know for a fact that, like, everybody in Southie, it's kind of almost like a tight-knit community despite the fact that it's a city environment. You know what I mean? Yeah, keeping the peace was definitely a um, big reason why Bulger was uh... – well, Bulger was made boss, and but the thing was, is Bulger wasn't even originally Winter Hill. Winter Hill is all the um the Sumble guys. Bulger was South Boston, so he was ran with the gangs in South Boston. But the way they all became Winter Hill was they went to war. You know the the McLeans and yeah. the Mulligans and Whitey, and um Whitey had approached Howie Winter and says, "Why don't you step in?" and help us end this war because every, they're, they're going to listen to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how yeah. respected how he was. And, but what, uh, what Bulger wanted him to do is he wanted him to step in and, you know, make peace and then make it that Bulger was the leader of the South, of the South Boston guys. But what how he did in reality is he's basically said, you're all under me now. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So he, he put them all under him. That's how they became, you know, Winter Hill. How, what did they, what did they kick up to Howie? Do you know? I'm not exactly sure what the percentage was, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd go between 10 and 15, probably. Yeah, that's usually what it, uh, what it is around. You know, maybe 10 because, you know, uh, how he wasn't no, uh, he wasn't no savage. But uh, so Bulger does his thing from about 1979 to right around 1995. And then we go into the Kevin Weeks era. Oh, buddy. From 1995 to 2000. And then uh, – from 2000 until, uh, I mean, until present, I, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's 
uh, Georgie Boy, isn't it? Yeah, Georgie Boy is the last known um, boss of the Winter Hill Gang. But as far as where they are right now, they're, you know what I mean, basically non-existent. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're there just like anybody else. You know what I mean? Like, it's what, I mean, it's what are you going to do? They've had to get into white, white collar crime. You got to learn how to scam credit cards. Got to learn, you know, tax fraud, mail fraud. Like, just, you know, it's not fucking, not the the wild, like, I can't call it the wild west because it's the wild east. But it's not, I mean, it's not it? fucking tombstone anymore. It can't be. You know, everybody's on their phone. If you look back in history, um, there were certain moments in time where the Mafia was able to, once they'd been kind of, not shut down, but uh, decimated somewhat, uh, like 9-11, when 9-11, they, they started to come back again. They started to grow again. And I think COVID um, yeah. has enabled them went, to kind of take a step back behind the scenes again. And I think... I, I, I I, I don't think it's over. I just think that they're it, not so much reorganizing, but kind of growing in the background. And like you say, Ian, time's moved on now. We've got more technology these days. It's very difficult with CCTV and everything else, all these cameras about. Everyone's a photographer these days. So it is very difficult to not have and for the FBI to keep witnesses um, because there's so many, there'd be so many about. So, I think they've had to find other ways of working. And I yeah, think people aren't afraid you, you'll that. find that they're probably more involved in by using the contacts because the contacts are still going to be about the contacts in, in politics, the contacts in law, wherever, but the contacts are still going to be about. So there are going to be other ways that they can start making money. They'll never be there. I don't think, I don't think they'll ever, ever be gone. The internet with, uh, with uh, online gambling, it's actually shown that organized crime runs most of the online gambling like servers and you know operations uh as well as brazers brazers is is heavily uh mobbed up Mo- a lot of the porn yeah, industry exactly. is heavily mobbed up you know what i mean uh it yeah it, it really wouldn't surprise me if you know if something like netflix has got more organized crime pulled than than we think i mean they're just they're, apparently they're just shelling money out to make all these shitty movies well, yeah, but, yeah look at um uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was made because of money from um, Deep Throat. That Deep Throat made so much money that they had to get rid of it because they, they made it to launder money, didn't they? So that makes sense. I mean, and again, you look back, I mean, yeah. there's so many um, similarities. You, you talk about the online gambling, well, that's no different to the, to the wire system back in the 50s. Uh, and the forties and that, so it's just that yep. the scams are still yep. there. It's just that the technology's changed, which has enabled them to kind of take a little bit more of a step back and go back into the shadows again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the uh, and the intimidation factor isn't quite the same. You can't seem to scare this generation of people. Like <laughs> my generations come up fucking just knowing nothing but, you know, why the police ain't easily bought either. You know, <laughs> yeah, no. And then like people are crazy, man. They'll film literally whatever and put it on for their 15 minutes. They don't give a shit what, like what it could cause them. It's not the same as it was back then. I don't know. It's maybe it's too much going on. So there's not as much, you don't think as much about like, Oh, that's actually my life they're threatening, or there's just not the same value on life, you know? Because it, it just seems like people back in the day, they were terrified. Like pe- people don't seem to be as shook anymore. It's like, I mean, 
they've just gotten so used to getting fucked over by everybody in every which way that I mean, look, look at the people that are fucking filming themselves, like, smashing up cop cars. I'm telling you now that organized crime in some way or some form is involved through the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan. I'm guaranteeing you that organized crime have their hands through the American military on the heroin that's being grown. And for me, that's what finances the CIA secret missions, in my opinion. Well, I mean that, and all the all the revenue from putting guns and drugs into exactly. uh, poor minority neighbor neighborhoods, and you know, yeah, no, the CIA. You want to talk about some dirty fucks, man? Fuck the Fed. Feds eat your heart out. The CIA or some. Well, I, some of the some of the research that I I I had to stop um, because I was going down far too many rabbit holes when I was researching John F. Kennedy assassination. <laughs> um, I've kind of had to finish the piece yep. off I've done for National Crime Syndicate um, that's out on tomorrow, actually, tomorrow afternoon. Um, and I've had to leave it to, to for other people to carry on because it was like, it just, wow. It, it wow. <laughs> wow. It was blowing my mind. JFK will take it all out of yeah, it wasn't so much the JFK, JFK stuff. It was the stuff where you you kind of – obviously, you want to look for the links. And then when you start looking back and you start seeing some of the links and you're like, whoa, hold on a minute. Um, this is a bit heavy. Uh, and that, that's right. before Kennedy. Uh, and, and you kind <laughs> of get the sense that um, yeah. the, the Wall Street, the CIA and the FBI are more in control of America um, uh, or the balance of power is kind of slipping from the White House or has been slipping for a number of years. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're literally, like, literally the feds and the CIA are given the golden ticket to commit crimes to catch criminals. How do they get all these guys? They get them on a wire. What does getting a wire entail? It entails a home invasion. (laughs) I mean, plain and simple. It entails breaking into somebody's, you know, privacy or invading somebody's, you know, personal, like, sanctuary, wiring it up so that you can listen in on them and then sitting back and gathering as much evidence as you can. It involves essentially being a peeping Tom. You're just going to sit around taking pictures and filming no matter what. You're not going to stop. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, see, how many pictures do they got from just decadent funerals of all, all these wise guys? They're not getting them because they thought that guys like us would like researching this shit and posting like these terrific funeral, funeral pics where everybody's dressed in the nines and they're seeing off their brother and are really – sort of stoic way. No, that's not what they were doing. They were doing it because they knew that they could start getting abs on everybody about the family or like, or like you know what I mean? Like and and they get the pass because nobody no boss would let I mean I mean I guess you know fucking a couple of them would have but they clipped them out real quick. No boss is gonna let people just go around run around killing you know cops, feds, anything like that. It doesn't happen. It's not gonna happen. That's too expensive. That's too yeah. no. <laughs> it's it's too much, you know publicity that they're too high profile for that like we were saying earlier in italy and stuff they didn't care about that like the italy the italian mob Sicilian mob they wanted to be so feared so they didn't mind taking out a reporter they didn't mind killing a judge this is and all that which this is our really this ain't your really that was that was, look we're 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 an independent state living within the state of italy you can't take us on that's what they were like Well, I think the American thing is like we we all want our fifteen minutes too. Like you know, like you know, like them, like them, you know, they'll be like fucking relish in that shit. Like I mean, John Gotti loves 
be able to help. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's not too many who were um, who like the mafia and like to express it as much as Gaudi. Yeah, I, I like I, 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 but I think he was just louder. Then I think back on someone like Persico, who defends themselves and Like, oh, that's a that's a pretty fucking ballsy statement. Yeah, they have a lot of balls. So that's for sure. And I know a lot of people don't like Gaudi because of that fact, but uh, that's one thing I respect about him is you know the balls he had and how he didn't care who knew who he was. And, <laughs> all that he even told his son one time that uh when his son was little that you know he didn't know what to tell people what his father did for a living and god he told him he goes you tell them your father is a 24 7 i mean that was the thing though i mean if you look at the castellano here the amount of photographs that appeared um of the castellano here the, the Mafia were already on the front page, so what did Gotti really the do Matthew. other than just took it on, I think? I, I, do you know what I mean? I mean, it, it, for me, it was a case of, um, uh, right, okay, well, if you're going to come after me and you're going to follow me, I'm going to give you something to follow. Do you know what I mean? Something along those gonna... lines? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, shit, if you're walking, yeah, on, if exactly. you're walking on ice, you might as well dance. You know what I mean? I like, like that, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, walking on ice, might as well. Might as well. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so wrapping up, uh, Happy Winter here, he uh, passed away two days back as Rob's his uh, his funeral and his wake will be held. When was Rob? His wake will be on, um, Thursday, um, Actually, hold on. Hold on. I got it right here. His wake will be. It's going to be at Dari's funeral home on Thursday. Um, I have it right here, but I, I had it right here, but I lost my. Uh, I lost my place there. That's the seventeenth, I believe. If I'm, doing, if I'm doing my days right, I might not do. <laughs> Either. <laughs> Nineteen. There you go. Yep, there it goes. <laughs> oh well, we're right on, man. But yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Uh, definitely the death of a legend, man. Like, I mean, it. it what? What came out exactly, Rob? Was it COVID? I'm not. I'm not sure. The uh, cause of death. Wait, death hasn't been revealed yet. Yeah, it's probably natural causes given his age because I haven't heard of him being sick or anything. Like, I mean, if he had and cancer he or something home, like that, I, 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 I wouldn't know about his family, it, so. so I wouldn't have thought I don't of anything believe. too serious like along those lines, like COVID or anything. Yeah, he died at home in uh, Millbury, which is where he moved up to uh, when he got out of jail in 2002. He was um, he was working in a building. Um, I don't know if it was the building he lived in or not, but he was working as a maintenance guy. Yeah, yeah, property manager or whatever it was. Yeah. Wasn't he embezzling money too doing that? <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm not sure, but I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. You know, <laughs> gangsters. Like criminal. Directly criminal till the end. Yeah. They'll die Another that way. Mention from South Boston that I actually have to bring up because I love the way he tells the stuff is fucking uh Patney. Patney is one of my favorite Boston tough guys of all time, 100%. Yeah, 
yeah, I love Pat. I mean, he's got a he's got a great story. Is he is he still around? He's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. I'll have to track that <laughs> son of a bitch down and see what I gotta do to get him on. Yeah, there was actually a show on TV here a few years uh, a few years back. It ended up getting canceled a few episodes in, but um, it was called Sanehoods, and it talked about the various uh, you know the Boston guys that ran that ran loan shocking operations and uh, and all yeah. that. Yeah, I just always loved Pat Nee because he was never one of those like you see the Michael Francis and the Phil Phil and, and Phil Leonetti is literally my kryptonite for this one. Always just all like on oh, my uncle, my <laughs> uncle. I thought I was doing that. I thought he was like, shut the fuck up, dude. Just shut. shut. If you were raised with any kind of any sort of inkling of anything, and your mom wasn't a gangster, so it was strictly Nikki. There had to have been a time or two where you're like, mm, this feels like this is wrong to do to people, but it also is kind of a rush, and I'm making a lot of money. So like, just accept that. That's why I always like Frank Collada too. Is Frank Collada and Patney are the two guys like I said, like Patney. When you ask him, he's all like, no, I like being a criminal. If I go back and do it again, I, I, I'd do more. You know, what I mean, like he never. He never watches it like, oh, it was the time. We were poor. We were, no, fuck that. He doesn't, you know, because, like, Francis says, oh, yeah, I wanted to be like my father. My father was my hero. Like, okay, <laughs> cool, bro. Fucking hug a rainbow. I don't know what to tell you. You weren't tough enough. <laughs> For real. I don't, I don't care. Like, yeah, he missed my coat I didn't. I don't fuck. Patney had his hands in everything. I mean, he was involved in extortion, loan shocking, bank robbery, Ahmed car robberies, selling Patty, guns. What are- Older, I, I do. I definitely believe him that he was trying to figure out a way to make Whitey go away without causing a huge rift through, you know, the South Boston underworld. You know what I mean? Yeah, they had a um, pretty good relationship too from uh, from back in the day. They hated each other at first because they were in you know different gangs and all that, but then they became close. It was actually. They were together one night when they heard that there was a fight going on between their two yep. factions, and they shared they shared a car ride to the fucking fight. You know what I mean? Yep. So they pulled up together, and then Bulger gets out of the car and goes with his crew, and Pat goes out of the car and goes with his crew. You know what I mean? It's and the last thing Pat says is, "Well, I guess this is the last time we'll be we'll be riding like this together, huh?" Bulger yep. said, "Yep." <laughs> Boston. That's why I fought the Boston. That's like that's a Boston move right there. 100%. That's like, that's some shit that would only go down in Boston. Two shy town guys ain't fucking Ryan. One of them's going to shoot the other one. Like, New York, forget about it. They're not even going to be from the same borough. Like, like these two guys, it's like, hey, our boys are one <laughs> down by the docks. It's like, well, there's only the one link in here. Like, all right. Get- oh, fuck, I mean. Yeah, there's just so much info on Boston, which is why we'll do a, um, we'll do a part three. And we'll have yeah. Jonathan O'Connell on. And I'll finish my... uh. I'll finish my uncle's story from part one, and uh, we'll have Jonathan talk. I mean, because like I said, he's a wealth of information about. Yeah, those, I, pro- like- I promised him an episode a while back, and I haven't, I haven't had him on yet. So I feel, uh, feeling kind of guilty. So another big shout out to uh, Jonathan O'Connell for real. We're gonna get you on here, brother. Don't worry about, don't worry about it, kid. Don't worry about it. You guys got any uh, shout outs, plugs, uh, anything like that? You guys uh, yeah, go on. Uh, uh, National Crime Syndicate, as always, uh, Bad Guy Podcast and Gangster Profiles. And also, I want to give another big shout out to um, David Amoruso over at Gangsters Inc. Um, for my uh, being able to do some last minute research on Harry Winner. So nice one, David. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give a shout out to um, our, our team over at uh, Omerta Social Club, uh, my team, Prison Tales Network, 
of course, National Crime Syndicate, and also um, Classic Gangster Society, which is owned by uh, National Crime Syndicate. Is um, we're getting that going a little more now. Mm-hmm. Craig actually put me in charge, and uh, maybe the managing editor to get that going. But we're gonna focus with gang classic gang society. We're gonna focus more on um, you know, like drug kingpins, gangs, motorcycle clubs. Oh hell yeah! All hell that. Yeah. So I'll um, oh, write up some pieces about uh, the Crips, the Hell's Angels, Devil's Disciples, stuff like that. Yeah, so for those of you uh, interested, please follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram, National Crime Syndicate and Classic Gangster Society. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Sarah DiPaggio right? and the Mob King. And, hey, um, and shout out to uh, my buddy Anthony Cayucci, um, author of the book Mafia Made, A True Story of Murder, Racketeering, and Drug Trafficking. It's actually his birthday oh, today, so I want to give him a shout out. Yeah, we're going to have Happy him birthday, on. Bro. Hell yeah! Happy birthday, brother! Well, if you're if you're anything like me and you uh, get to talking about all these, you know, Boston guys, you can't go without mentioning good old Sean Alex Car Bob McKenna. And uh, I mean, if you're gonna be bobbing cars, I mean, Sean would know, I would know. You're gonna need somebody to fix them eventually. So if you're from the Metro Detroit area and you need somebody to fix a car that maybe Sean or somebody like him is fucked up on you because you owe money. Why not hit up the 392 Brothers Mobile Mechanics? That's 392 Brothers with a Z, Mobile Mechanics. Uh, they're, they're limited service because they're a startup company, but uh, the quote is free. And I don't know nothing that these guys can't do to cars, man. You can hit them up at 313-974-2222. Just ask for Alex. Tell him the hideaway sent you. He'll love that. Once again, that's 313-974-2222. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to David Randazzo and Ronnie Cockroach. Uh, both great guys over there at Our Thing Clothing Apparel. Uh, shout out to Scott M. Bernstein uh, over there at the uh, Original Gangster Podcast. He uh, he holding it down. Fucking wealth of Detroit as well as everywhere else now, but Detroit especially. Yeah, shout Seth, out to all, you know. Seth Ferrante also. Christian Michael Mayotta. <laughs> yep. All those guys, man. All those. Yep. Yep. And then uh, a second, but not not non-contributed. Big shout out to Sierra DiPaggio, the Mob King. Uh, I mean, dude, dude's coming. Dude's coming to take over 2021, man. As soon as this COVID is, is done, I know, I know it's a wrap on him. But uh, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to get something stupid on my uh, elbow. So, so we all we all wrap around up. But I'm glad we got together to do this. Glad that we did uh, Howie Winter instead of uh, doubling back to Carmine Persico and Joe Colombo. But I do want to do them uh, next weekend. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to say real quick to our listeners, if any, if you guys want to hear us cover a certain topic, just drop a uh, comment on one of our posts, um, reach out to us directly, whatever. We want to do what you guys want to hear. So, uh, and a big shout out to Dust Bunny Matthew as Hell well, yeah. Brett Juliano. Hell yeah, well, it's been... we almost forgot our last guest. <laughs> oh, big shout out to Brett Juliano. Sorry, Brett. <laughs> uh-huh. Big shout out, big shout out to guys. But yeah, I'm gonna get up out of here, guys. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I hope it's been this year. Later. All right, we'll see you next. We'll see you next week. All right, later.